solar plus storage is going to be a game changer because it'll be clean, it'll be sustainable, it'll also slow global warming. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick Podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thanjan. And I'm your co-host, Lee Wang. Let's get into it. Well, Lee, this is actually our intro episode to the Solar Maverick Podcast. Actually, I think maybe, Lee, you should introduce yourself before we go into... Oh, Sure. Well, thanks, Manoy. I'm a longtime journalist. I started out in the newspaper career, so interviewing people is kind of my forte, so I'm glad to be part of this project. And since then, I've been doing a lot of digital marketing, websites, helping people with their search engine optimization, their Google Places pages, and also paid search and content marketing. So that's the focus of my firm. I'm at mjwangmedia.com is the name of my website here. Great. And I'm Benoit Thanjan. I'm the CEO and founder of Renew Energy. We're a solar consulting and development company. This is our first episode of the Solar Maverick podcast. So hello, the Mavericks out there. And we're really excited to bring you some great information every week about solar and entrepreneurship. So Benoit, first, let me ask you, I love the name. You've always done things your own way. Why did you choose to name your show The Mavericks or Solar Maverick? So it was actually Lee's idea, which I thought was actually a great idea because I'm a huge Top Gun fan. And as a kid, I would always want to be Maverick and having your own company and being kind of a leader in an industry and a new industry like solar that's growing exponentially. You have to be a Maverick to be successful. You're kind of on your own and kind of paving the way and the path for something new. Sure. So what will listeners glean from each episode? What kind of knowledge will you be sharing here on the Solar Maverick? Sure. So we're going to talk about different things related to solar energy, renewable energy, energy storage, which we'll talk later. Also talk about entrepreneurship. It's not just going to be a format where Lee and I are talking, but we're actually going to have a lot of great people within the solar industry talk about their experiences in solar energy and in entrepreneurship. So we're going to have a really wide perspective on the show of a lot of different people in the industry who do a lot of different things and also my experience as well. Actually, that's a great segue. You talked about entrepreneurship. Tell us a little bit about your career path and what led you to become an entrepreneur. Sure. So I have been exposed to entrepreneurship since I was a little kid. Both my parents have their own businesses. My mom's a pediatrician. She has her own practice in the Bronx. My dad actually has a lighting company that basically sells light bulbs, ballasts, and fixtures to small businesses and corporations. And basically, since I was very young, since I was 12 to 13, I've worked in both of my parents' businesses. So from always when I was in school and graduate school, I always had the plan that I eventually wanted to start my own business. Yeah, I think, Benoit, you had told me in the past, what kinds of stuff did you do to help out in your dad's shop? Pretty much everything that there is in running a business, which is great training for what I do now. I mean, I did like sales to deliveries to accounting to cleaning up in the warehouse and even the bathrooms. Like as an entrepreneur, there's no defined role. And I think that's why like... I prefer to start my own company than a corporate role, usually because you have really just one focus. And entrepreneurship, it's really kind of runs the whole gamut. Tell us about your education and early career. You went to NYU? 
Yeah, so I went to NYU undergrad, the Stern School of Business. I was a finance and economics major. I was also a member of the Alumni Scholars Program, which is a scholarship based on academic merit. They had different events. And then I went to grad school at Rutgers University for my MBA in finance. And then as far as like my early career, I worked at Ernst & Young in their valuation group and Deloitte and & Touche in their energy structured finance practice that got me interested in energy. I worked in healthcare at a pharmacy benefit management company called Medco Health Solutions, where I did corporate development, but then I wanted to be in the renewable energy space. So I worked at a private equity fund called Ridgewood Renewable Power, where I analyzed investments in renewable energy. I then thought that solar was going to be the fastest growing sector in the energy space and renewables and the most scalable. So then I transitioned to a solar EPC called Vanguard Energy Partners that has built over 100 megawatts of projects, predominantly in the Northeast and in New Jersey. And then I worked at SolarCity slash Tesla, which is a company owned by Elon Musk. And I was in their project finance group. I started their Estrec trading desk. Estrec is a solar renewable energy credit that states um, basically have created for companies to buy this environmental commodity, this SREC, to meet their compliance obligations for renewables. And then after Solar City slash Tesla, I started Renew Energy six years ago. So, Benoit, did you have a moment of clarity where you decided that you were going to set out on your own? You're going to leave the security of working full time for a bigger company? What led you to say, hey, I can do this. Sure. I credit, obviously, both my parents being entrepreneurs and being very supportive. Also, before I started the company, I was working on the side for two to three years. But I think the real thing was working at SolarCity slash Tesla, which has been a very successful company, and then realizing that the responsibilities that I had there I just felt like it gave me the confidence to then start my own company. And I've always wanted to start my own business. And there was an opportunity at the time that I took advantage of where I could be a consultant for Solar City. And that was kind of an easy way of, there's nothing easy in entrepreneurship, but that was kind of an easy sort of segue to start my own company by having a big client the first day that I started business. So at a practical level, it was very helpful for you to have income coming in while you started your company is what you're telling us. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So day one, like the company was profitable because I had a big client that once I started the business and I had confidence because the consulting agreement was based mostly on success that I was going to close a lot of these SREC transactions, which we end up doing. So, What advice do you have to anyone out there listening who may be on the fence about starting their own company? What are some practical tips you give besides obviously having a good source of income to start with, but what are some good habits you've developed over years in keeping your business strong? Sure. So I think there's a couple of key things. I mean, when I started my business, I really didn't have a background in sales. But sales is really everything. Sales in, is everything, right? In, in having a business. Yeah. You could have a great idea, but if you can't sell it, then there's no point. And it's really also adding value. So adding value to your customers or potential customers, building strong relationships. Also listening, because you're always getting feedback about how to run the business and then pivoting when you have to, because you're going to fail a lot. And it's just really 
learning from that failure and then coming up with a better service or product. How did you develop trust with your first few clients? Obviously, you're newish to the field. What were some factors that led to them trusting you, giving your advice, and especially on big financial matters? I think the good thing was that I had an energy and solar background. So that was before I started the company, I had maybe eight or nine years of experience in both energy and renewable energy and solar. So really, I had a lot of strong relationships and the network of people in the energy space and specifically the solar space. It's like two degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon, not five degrees (laughs) of separation. So I think that was very helpful because I already had the trust from my prior working relationships. And then a lot of the business too was based on referrals Mm -hmm. of from people that I worked with in the past referring me. So So a lesson here could be stay stay in touch with people that have mattered in your career and also probably uh, keep good relationships, don't burn bridges. Definitely mentorship as well. Okay, Bill Short, who helps us with the power marketing of our company, he helped me a lot with the rec part of the business, but also he had an established business and other sort of established people that I looked for for mentorship who were also entrepreneurs and kind of doing something similar, looking for them for advice, feedback, especially support, because in the beginning, it's a lot harder than when you're more an established business. One thing that's probably helped with your sales, I'm going to guess, is your enthusiasm and confidence, right, for solar energy. What drives you to be in this field day in and day out? Why are you so inspired by solar energy? Definitely. I'm very fortunate because I'm doing something that I'm passionate about, that I love, renewable energy and sustainability. And so for me, getting up at 4.35 in the morning and working till very late, it's very easy. And obviously, if you're doing it for yourself and it's your own company, you're putting your heart and soul into it. And then I feel like I'm doing something that's actually making a difference. Clean energy. And it's so challenging because the solar and renewable energy industry is changing constantly. And it's extremely complicated due to state level incentives, federal incentives, new technologies, battery storage or energy storage, which will be a great way of basically storing energy and specifically storing solar energy where you could use it at night instead of only when the sun sort of shines. It's just exciting. And there's always something to learn. And even I am constantly learning about the industry. And I'm hearing new things every day about the industry that I didn't know. You mentioned you wake up early. Walk us through some of your daily habits that help keep you productive and mentally sharp. Sure. So I... Tried to start the day pretty early, 4.30, 5 o'clock, I get up. I think also what's been very helpful for me is actually meditation. So I use the Headspace app and meditate 10 to 15 minutes a day. How does that app work? It's a paid sort of subscription. And then they have like a group of different meditation practices. And then it's like for a fixed length. But what I found like is like I used to be very anxious about the day and that really was able to kind of calm me down. And then right after the meditation, then I go to the gym, then I have breakfast, and still it's only like 7.30 or 8 o'clock, and then I start working. So by the time most people get into the office, I've been productive for the past three or four hours, and I'm really about also having time to think and doing deep work in the morning. So I tend 
not to try to schedule meetings in the morning because I get the most efficient or difficult tasks done in the morning when my mind's fresh. And also, I figure out the schedule of that day, the week, what to prioritize, like in my to-do list and things like that. This might be something private, but I'm sure you like sharing this about your life, which has been inspirational to me is you're a 9-11 survivor. And, you know, I'm wondering if you would care to share a little bit how that shaped your feelings about life and passion and embracing the moment. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I thought on September 11th, that was going to be my last day. I was in One World Trade Center when the plane hit and I was in the lobby, but there were explosions due to the jet fuel going down and fire and people on fire and getting out of the building and things like that. But I thought September 11, 2001 was my last day on this earth. And it's crazy. It's 2018. So like, I really try to live each day like it's the last. And I don't take anything for granted after that, because I saw a lot of people around me who died. And so that really as well kind of shapes me as an entrepreneur, because I don't take anything for granted. I just try to do the best that I can every single day and enjoy every part of it. And I think that experience, obviously a very negative experience, it really kind of made me a lot stronger of a person just because you realize life is temporary, but I'm human as well. Sometimes I let little things bother me as well. I'm human. And I try to then remember how fortunate I was back at that time. So that makes a lot of sense on your current mission. Talk a little bit about how solar energy is going to help this earth and help humanity. Sure. So as we all know, there's been a lot of reports about climate change and solar is a great sort of resource where we're not going to use fossil fuels like coal or natural gas. And it's a plentiful resource. Solar plus storage is going to be a game changer because right now solar and wind are very intermittent sources of power. But with being able to store power and being able to use it, it's going to be similar to what you have with cell phones where you don't need the infrastructure like you do now with the traditional sort of power plant transmission distribution line. And then that's how you get your power where you live. You're going to actually be generating your power. So that's a huge sort of advantage to have. You'll still need the grid, but the reliability of having energy, it'll be clean, it'll be sustainable It'll also slow global warming. Unfortunately, I think, I don't know if we're able to reverse it, but we're definitely able to slow it down. That's great. Tell us a little bit about what Renew Energy specifically does. I know you help a lot of companies with early stage solar project feasibility. Give our listeners a sense of what they could hire Renew Energy to do. Sure. So Renew Energy, we're basically a solar consulting firm. We only focus on solar technology and storage. And then we also develop projects. We initially started as an ESHREC broker. That's that solar renewable energy credit. We brokered about $27 million in these ESHREC transactions, which is basically created to incentivize companies to have certain part of their generation renewables. But we also do other work. We, for example, have an investor that has $500 million that we're helping them with our relationships with a lot of developers and finding project opportunities, helping with the due diligence and finding opportunities that they could finance 
We do a lot of research on different markets. For example, we help like a non-regulated energy company look at whether they should invest in the Maryland and New Jersey market. So we'd created customized research. We've done stuff internationally in Asia. For example, we helped a big panel manufacturer in India with their strategy of selling panels into the U.S. We've helped a pharmaceutical company look at their office space and their land and see whether it's ideal to basically do solar and then run an RFP process. So anything related to solar we're involved with. We also develop projects as well, both commercial industrial and utility scale projects, solar farms. You just opened two offices in California, one in San Diego, one in Los Angeles. What led you to open those offices and tell us a little bit about why California is so hot for solar right now? Definitely. California love. (laughs) (laughs) So I think California, what I love about California is that they're the number one state for renewable energy, specifically solar. And they've been very progressive on basically creating an incentive program to allow the development of both renewable energy and, as I said, storage. And one of the big things was a few weeks ago, Governor Jerry Brown, the governor of California, signed legislation to have 100% renewables by 2045. Wow. So that's not that far in the future. They're working on programs right now to basically inset more development in California. So I thought it was a great opportunity to open two offices in Southern California, in San Diego and Los Angeles, even though we've primarily been focused on the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic markets of the U.S. You've talked a lot about storage. Why is that really the next frontier? Why is that so important? Sure. So right now, Basically, solar energy only works once the sun is shining. And unfortunately, at night, you're then dependent on like the grid, basically, to provide that electricity from whatever sort of plant that is. It's mostly natural gas plants in the U.S. So really, what storage allows is you're able really to scale solar energy because you're able to use it at night. What we're seeing is that right now we're seeing like Lithium-ion batteries are the big technology, like Tesla built a gigafactory in Nevada. And what we're seeing, though, is like the cost of lithium-ion technology is going down substantially. It's still, right now, pretty expensive to make it work. But, like, for example, for solar, like the past five to six years, we've seen maybe 500 to 550% drop in the cost of panels. Also, the amount of usable energy that the technology is able to convert from the sunlight has increased as well. So we're seeing the same cost decreases in these batteries. So in the very near future, we're going to see solar plus storage commonplace in a lot of homes. And we're all actually trying to figure that out. I mean, it's definitely still in its infancy stages. Everyone's trying to figure out how to incentivize this sort of development because they're having issues as well. With having a lot of solar online, electricity prices have gone down during those peak times. And then later at night, prices have gone up. It's called the duck curve, which might be getting too technical for this sort of question. So, Okay. So also you do a lot of projects internationally. Talk to us about how different it is to work in, say, Vietnam, Asia versus South America versus domestically here. What are some sort of different ways that people do business that you've noticed as far as solar goes? 
Yeah, definitely. So it's interesting. So Europe has been very progressive in renewables and solar energy, but the U.S. is pretty advanced in a very short time in solar energy. And we get contacted by so many companies internationally about helping them develop projects. And solar is actually very basic technology that's been around for a long time. But a lot of these countries where they're developing these projects, we mostly focus on Asia and South America. It's still very early. So they're really looking for American or U.S. expertise on how to develop and how to finance these projects. And that's where we come in and add a lot of value because our team here at Renew Energy has done a lot of work in the industry and we have all different backgrounds. Obviously, I'm more of a financial background, but we have an engineer, we have someone who has an expertise in permitting, state level legislation. So I find like business is actually kind of the same in these different countries. It's all about the relationship. Obviously, there's like cultural norms and you need great local contacts or a great local person there to kind of be able to get stuff done, but it's still a very similar way of doing business. Yeah, you mentioned to me you had to brush up on your karaoke skills. <laughs> yes. In Vietnam, it was actually very funny. We were meeting with a Vietnamese multinational who's developing a 300 megawatt project. And after lunch, we had to sing karaoke. And that's maybe part of the reasons why I'm taking voice class, even though I love singing. So. So what was your go-to song in an under-pressure business situation? So it's funny, my other colleagues, we partner with a company that does EPC work in Asia that's actually based in India. But the go-to song, which they loved, was Gangnam Style. <laughs> <laughs> and they were getting into it and dancing as well. So, And it's an easy song because they all know the song and they all want to sing. So it was not just me on the spot, like singing alone. So okay. it made it a lot. Good tip, Mavericks. <laughs> when in doubt, Gangnam style is yes. a good choice. In, in Vietnam. All right. <laughs> so Ashley Benoit, tell us a little bit more about your interests outside of work. We know you're a huge football fan. Let's share with your listeners a little bit about your hobbies. Sure. I mean, I have like diverse hobbies. I'm a huge football fan. I'm a huge fan of the New York Giants. And I play actually in a two-hand touch football league. I also play guitar beginner, so I take guitar and voice lessons. I love traveling, exercising. I read a lot. Love what, what are to some of music. books you might recommend? So it's interesting. Like a lot of books I read are related to like personal development and yeah. entrepreneurship. And since as a kid, I've been reading these books. The two books actually by Dale Carnegie. It's yeah. called How to Stop Worrying, Start Living, and then How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I found like, even now I still kind of read, even though I've read those books so many times. There's another book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, which talks about changing your habits will change your life, which I totally agree. And I'm always trying to improve my habits to become more successful. And there's still plenty of things that I myself have to work on to be more successful. When you're approaching a new prospect, what are some things that you ask them to help them assess feasibility? What are some keys to a good project for you? Sure. So it, let's say, for example, for like a commercial industrial project, I think the big thing is right now in the U.S., there are certain states where it's ideal to do solar. Right now, it's pretty much like, States that have high electricity costs, so California, 
Hawaii, New Jersey, Massachusetts, New York. So we're basically looking from a macro perspective, then state-level incentives. Which ones have great state-level incentives? Obviously, people are like, wow, you're saying New Jersey, Massachusetts, but they have actually great state-level incentives. Massachusetts has a SMART program, which is like a feed-in tariff program to incentivize solar. New Jersey has this SREC. And actually, California, Arizona, and Hawaii don't actually need an incentive now at this point. The electricity price is pretty high. It just makes economic sense. But then when you're looking at a building, it's really how much usable space there is on the roof. And basically, whether there has to be some roof work done if it's not a new roof, because solar is a long-lived asset that's going to be there for 20 to 30 years. So you have to make sure that you're not replacing the roof in the process. You also have to look at the energy usage of the building because it's a lot easier to do a solar when it's owner-occupied, meaning that the owner is using the energy and making sure that there's enough solar to make it a worthwhile investment. Yeah. Well, I think that we cover a lot this episode. Benoit, is there anything else that you would advise to listeners out there when they're considering solar in a commercial aspect? So I think the myth is that it's it's not economical, but things have changed so dramatically with the price of solar panels. The government also has incentives as well. On the federal level, there's a 30% investment tax credit. So basically 30% of the cost of the system is actually paid for by the federal government. There's also accelerated depreciation. So within five years, 50% of the cost of the system is actually paid by federal incentives, and that's not including the state-level incentives. So you definitely should consider, if you're a commercial industrial building owner, to look into it. And obviously, we're happy here at Renew Energy to help you, and Benoit specifically, or me specifically. So how, how do people contact you? First of all, we're opening up this podcast to any questions from the listeners. So Benoit, what's the best way to reach you with any questions? Sure. So the best way to reach is info at renewenergy.com. It's info, I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U energy.com. So info at renew energy, renew with the U instead of a W at the end, energy.com. Well, till next time. We look forward to hearing from you Mavericks on our next episode with some questions and be sure to tune in for the next episode. Yep. Thank you, fellow Mavericks. And thank you, Lee. We look forward to many episodes to come. Go Eagles. (laughs) (laughs) Go Giants. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five-star review. That helps us build this community, and that's what we're all about right now, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. 